All right, all right. Well, everyone, welcome to Married Life. It's great to have everyone here. Come on, it's like summer out, kind of, maybe. Yesterday, yesterday I was, yesterday I was walking into church and I was like, hey, it's like the eighth winter. And I said, we got shorts on, come on. Who else has shorts on? Any shorts? Yeah, come on. It's always, it's always about this time of the year that I choose to just like be done with coats. So from now on, it doesn't matter how cold it's getting. I'm not wearing that winter coat anymore. Come on, amen. Well, it's great to have you here. Uh, my name's Tim Gillio. This is my beautiful wife, Rachel. Yeah, cheer for her. Come on. Woo! Yeah. Come on. There you go. Uh, we, we have the awesome privilege of uh, being a part of married life, and it's just incredible. Uh, we believe in marriage ministry. Amen? Amen. Yes. So Tim and Rachel, and we, if you're new here, we have been married coming, what, 13 and a half years? I always short us a year because I can't mathematically keep up with it. We have four beautiful children. We have a 10-year-old daughter. She's the only other girl in our home. And three amazing warrior boys. We have an eight-year-old son, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old son. And so, yes, we are so excited to be here. And last month, God had put a picture on my heart, so you're going to hear it again. But it just rings so true. This, the symbol of marriage is the picture of Jesus, right? Being the bride and the church, which is us. No, we're the bride of Christ. He's the groom. I got that mixed up. I'm, there's no gender confusion in Jesus, okay? <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> but there was with my mind in that moment. <laughs> I'm imperfect. You will find that out real soon. So the picture that I got was how perfect that symbol is supposed to be, and it's supposed to be so attractive. And we all know, if you've been married more than a day, that marriage doesn't always look attractive as you're fumbling through real life things. It's real, but that's also our relationship with God. Like, we're fumbling through things, and we're depending on him, and we're always going back to him to grow. But I think of the youth right here and our res kids, and just, I saw this picture last month of what that is communicating to this generation when once a month they don't just see mom and, like, maybe mom and dad drop them off, you know, to the youth or go into the main service, but they're seeing husbands and wives elbow to elbow or arm around arm and intentionally like coming together to celebrate marriage and to say, we're so excited about marriage. We want to like go and be a part of this. Like you're telling them that what they're doing is important by showing up and saying, now this is what you get to look forward to. And it want, we want that to be so attractive and we know how much work it is. Oh, do we know? But we're just so proud of you for setting the time aside tonight Thank you so much for blessing us to get to do marriage with you. So tonight we have a panel. We usually have you mingle at the tables, but we want to give all that time to our panel couples. After this, there is ice cream in the back in the coolers. And take it away, Tim. That ice cream might be gone. Can I give a stink eye to like the whole group? So uh, if you didn't get ice cream... If you didn't get ice cream, you might be able to go get some real quick. Just saying. Um, that's good. I think, I personally think that a lot of the issues that we see present in our culture are because of people putting things in the wrong place in terms of value in their life. Um, it's easy. It's It's easy to put to put work or taking care of the house in, the, in a place that it shouldn't be. Amen? And uh, when, you get, when you get married, your spouse becomes the most important human relationship there is, by far. Uh, nothing else should come in front of that. 
when you're talking human relationship, but there is one thing that you have to put in front of that if you want that to be healthy. And what you have to put in front of that is your, relation, your personal relationship, your personal pursuit of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Like that is the, that is, that is the foundation that, that, that builds it all. Uh, you, have to, you have to personally pursue Jesus. Uh, so what we like to do is we like to start out this time, before we go into what God says about marriage, we want to connect with Jesus for who he is. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to get into a song. It's called Firm Foundations. Uh, some of you guys will be really familiar with this. Some of you won't. I'm going to encourage you to worship how you worship. So uh, stand up. Go ahead, stand up. And this is a time where we just get to connect with God. If you need to step off to the side, if you need to get on your knees, that's what you should do. Um, it's all about recognizing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into this. And then right after that, we'll get right into the panel discussion that we have uh, for today. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for today. Father, we thank you, Lord, that, that you created marriage, that you designed it intentionally, that it's not something that just happened, that it, that it wasn't a mistake or something like that, but that when you created Adam and Eve, you intentionally purposed out with marriage in mind. So, Father, we come to you right now and we say, speak to us. Jesus, we draw near to you. And we know that as we draw near to you, you said you'll draw near to us. So we love you, Lord. We thank you. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ and everybody said, amen. amen. If you would, would you do me a favor and grab the hand of your spouse? And then I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall. For it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The same rain fell, the same floods came, the same winds blew and slammed against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Can I just let you know that what determines how you get through a storm is nothing more than the foundation you build upon. And I don't know what situation you may find yourself in or or maybe you know another couple that you can stand in the gap for right now, but I just want to make a declaration that these marriages will stand in Jesus' name. That nothing that comes against them will fall. That whatever rain may come, whatever wind may blow, when the floods come, it does not matter because Jesus is that rock. So Father, I pray a blessing over every marriage represented here today and the marriages that we know also. We declare that those marriages are strong, that those marriages are healed in Jesus' name. And I come against any attack that the enemy could try to foster against any marriage in this room. And I cancel that right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray a blessing. I pray that our marriages would represent you well, Lord. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Come on, God's good, right? Well, it is, uh, it is incredible to have you here tonight. We get a special opportunity to hear several different voices tonight. We like to do this kind of a message, this kind of a teaching uh, when we have our May married life. Just a heads up, we take off. Uh, we, we don't meet in, uh, in June, July, and August, but I want to give you a heads up. Babe, what's the date of the July, uh, the June thing? Is it the seventeenth? So, so June seventeenth, um, we're gonna do just uh, ice cream as couples. It's like come buy your, it's like buy your own ice cream. It's very like super chill at a at a place in Holland, and then we're gonna go watch the sunset together. Amen. So that's June seventeenth. Yep. 
bring your camp chairs and your blankets. So we'll have all the details on Res Life Married Life on Facebook. Yep. You'll yep. get an email, so make sure you sign in if it's your first time guest. Make sure you sign in at the desk before you leave so we can be sure to get you all that info. Come on. So, uh, And if it rains June 17th, we're going to do the next week, the next Saturday. So we kind of worked in a Just rain couples. date there. Couples. There you go. No child. I'm not watching your kids, Ricky. Uh-uh. <laughs> Just to clarify. Wait, are your, are your in-laws in here? Because they're normally your child. I'm joking with you. <laughs> ah! All right, well, uh, you know who we are, but you might not know these couples, so I'm going to start over here in a minute. I'm going to have them introduce themselves, kind of give just a quick, like, this is who we are, this is where we've come from, and this is how long we've been married for. Here we go. We'll go on this side first. All right. Larry and Jules Martin, we've been married for 28 years. We started coming here in 1996, way back in the day, and we were headed for disaster, and if it wasn't for Jesus, we would not be here, and we would definitely not be together anymore. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we are uh, Amy and Josh Steiner. Um, we have four beautiful children, three boys and a girl, ages uh, eight to three. There we go. And because um, three boys and a girl, we were just discussing, is apparently the holy way to do it. There's, there's just a whole lot of them in this church. Um, so we just decided to follow suit. But we have uh, four beautiful children. We've been married. We were just discussing. We're like, is it 12 years? I think it's 12 years. <laughs> uh, we have the privilege of leading worship here. If, you've, if our faces look familiar, it is our joy and our honor. And uh, we love marriage, and we, we're excited to be here. So these couples have been such a blessing to our life. And what we loved about the both of them is Larry and Jules are very involved. Their ministry is outside of church walls, and they do that together. And they have impacted the state of Michigan and beyond so much. So Larry is a realtor. And so he is an incredible man of integrity. And I just, we appreciate how they do marriage and how they do family and how they always have it centered on their faith in Jesus Christ. So their ministry is very much outside the walls. They are like impacting everybody that they come into contact with. Well, this couple, we have known a long time, Tim Longer, but they were getting to start courting finally. Like we knew that they were supposed to be married, but we did ministry side by side with them all through our youth years, and we watched them transpire, and we adore them and how they do ministry side by side to this day. We look up to them as friends so much. So there is some backstory on where they're here. Did you guys mention how many chillins you have? No, we didn't. You want to real quick? Yeah. All right. We have three kids. Um, we have Jacqueline. She's 28. We have Jake. He's 26. And Jesse, 24. And they are all out of the house. <laughs> it's honeymoon every night at the Martins. <laughs> <laughs> and all of us with young kids said, like, someday in, in Jesus' name. Are you so. volunteering to babysit, <laughs> Jules? There you go. Okay. Um, so... So what we did is we asked all of you to uh, kind of send your ideas of what kind of conversation you would like to see. So we took and we tallied all those up. And the number one thing, honestly, that you guys mentioned was you wanted to hear some conversation based on the topic of communication. And I heard that and I'm like, that makes so much sense because this is, this is literally what I was thinking is, why is communication such a thing in marriage? Why is it sometimes so difficult to communicate, or does it feel so clunky when you're trying to communicate? And yet, some days, it's like communication is so easy. So I'd love to dive into this and, and hear some different perspectives on communication. Uh, Larry, I'm going to start with you in a second. I'm going to read James 1.19, and I just want to hear your perspective uh, on this verse real quick, um, just what what your first raw thought is, and then if you have any follow-up on maybe what that's looked like inside of your marriage, right. okay? So uh, when I think of communication, the first, the first verse that literally popped into 
my heart. It might be because it's pasted on my son's wall, and you'll probably understand <laughs> when you hear it. Uh, but it's it's uh, James chapter 1, verse 19, and it says, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So the real meat of that is quick to hear, yeah. Slow to speak, slow to anger. Larry, like, what's your, what's your initial thought on that verse? Wow. I mean, if we get into crisis and we really get into the flesh and we get mad at each other way too quick, it's just a disaster. So we have learned to slow down, talk, and try to communicate, take a couple steps back, give each other some space in order to communicate better. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Um, I think, like, for me, I, I, I got a scripture here, and it's, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. So for me, um, when we got married, our, our family, like, my family yelled at each other and screamed and just said whatever, you know? So that's what I, I came from. And so, so, like, I would do that with him, and... I mean, so, yeah, we were very destructive. So when I started reading the word and, like, when I read this, it was just, it was like, man, it really, like, if I'm sitting there telling him, you're a bad father, you suck at this, or you're terrible, you know, you're terrible, you don't do this, you don't do that, you know, and then it was like realizing, like, this is what's in my heart, you know, and I, I, I was falling in love with him, and I did not want him to, you know, feel that way and be that, you know, so it was like, I had to start changing what was, I was putting in my heart, and so that's really, for me, I started going to women's meeting, hanging around ladies that were speaking good things about their husbands and stuff like that, you know, and so, because um, I wanted good things, and, and, and that came across with everything, my kids, yeah. you know, like, I want to speak good things over my kids, my friends, I want to speak life into my friends, so, I want, I don't want to put gossip. I don't want to put that stuff in my heart because it's going to come out. So, yeah. You know, the, what, I, what I kind of imagined um, when you were saying that is like the good person out of the goodness of his heart brings forth good things. And it's like what, what I saw a picture of was kind of like a farmer. How many of you have ever uh, plant, planted a garden, right? Uh, so often... So often with like a garden, we will plant a seed. And what's the, expect, what's the expectation with what we're doing with that? We're putting a seed into the ground. What's, what do we want? What do, we want whatever that seed is, right? Whatever that, whatever that seed we're sowing is, we expect the same fruit back. You know, so you're saying like the good person of the goodness of his heart brings forth good things. And it's like, how come so often in a garden, in a garden, if I want, if I'm really like digging and want to get some green beans and I plant a squash seed expecting a green bean, I think all of us would say, Tim, you're being kind of like kind of ridiculous. But Mm -hmm. that's the picture I saw. Like if you want good things, you have to plant in your heart and then through your words, plant in your spouse's heart. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because, I mean, I can remember a time, one of the first times, like, Leary did that to me. And it was when he bought me this brand-new car. And I went to reverse out of the garage, and I hit the garage with the mirror, and the mirror came flying off. And I mean, brand-new car. You know, how many people have done that? You know, and my dad... My dad would have been mad, like, so I was ready for him to be, like, yelling at me and stuff, and he's like, hey, don't worry about it, like, it's going to be all right, like, he was, like, so compassionate and so, like, didn't care, and it was kind of like, I mean, I've thought about this occasionally, like, he, you know, like, when I made a mistake, he was so generous and so gracious to me that, like, when he made a mistake, I want to give that back to him. Praise the Lord. The one thing that uh, I was kind of thinking about with this verse 
um, we hear quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to exhibit anger, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. This says slow to anger. Jesus came to bring the ministry of the heart to this earth and to take that law and say, you know, you know what, it begins in the heart. And so when we talk about anger, you will not be quick to listen or slow to speak if you've got anger in your heart. And this verse is not saying exhibit anger. It's saying slow to anger within you, in your heart. And so um, this is a Holy Spirit thing, a transformation thing. I was a very angry child, angry teenager. I'm not nearly as angry today. That's because of the Holy Spirit. So, Amy, I have a question for you on this one. How, let's say you're sitting down with somebody that's not wanting to be angry, but they just see themselves tending towards anger. Like, you know, they, they would say like, well, whether it's with the kids or it's with a spouse or it's at work, just in general, what would be some, like, what would you say to somebody if they just sat down and said, I'm, I just find that I'm getting angry so fast and so often? Yeah, well, we've already said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. So when you hear yourself, you are telling on, on what's been already deposited. You, you are revealing what's in your heart. And you're even, if you're using any amount of self-control, you're not even showing the entirety of what's in your heart. I mean, this is the top of the iceberg. If it sounds yucky up here, the root system is even worse. And, and so um, um, down here, or we have it here on first from Psalms 19, says, let, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So if we kind of read it backwards, like let's go back to number one, rock and redeemer. You know, that is Christ's place in our life. But as we have a posture of our heart that um, one is receptive to the work of the Holy Spirit, but two, we're willing to replant, like you're saying, what's in the abundance. So that meditation of your heart. How many of you have ever felt the opposite, I should say the wrong effect of the meditation of your heart. And you are laying in bed, physically making a list of all the things that they did to make you so angry. And you're, you know, that cold shoulder is getting colder and colder and colder by the minute because you are meditating on the wrong thing. Meditation produces fruit, period. And so, um, the, the writer of this psalm is saying, number one, it takes a humility before the Lord. It says, Lord, let the words of my mouth, this is the desire of my heart, yeah. that they're pleasing to you first and foremost, right? Like we're accountable to our words, nobody else's before the Lord. But then using that tool of meditation, what are you dwelling on? When you go to bed and you are hot to trot, it's because you have been meditating on failures or anger or that list of wrongs that that first corinthians talks about we're rehearsing those things in you and so i would say the first thing you do is check check what you're dwelling on and and you're going to have to put some word and replace the 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 meditation of your heart so i'm seeing some Great comparisons here is Jules is one of the most sunshine, joy-filled, which is Holy Spirit. It's a gift of the Spirit. Joy. People say to me, Rachel, why are you so joyful? It is nothing short of the grace of God. It is it's fruit of the Spirit being present. So, But you witnessed a lot of harshness in your childhood. I witnessed it not with parents, but grandparents. So a couple generations ahead you saw it present in your life early on, so we've all had that. Today, I had 
one of my sons, is the one of the younger two, I'm a homeschool mom, and one of them did not want to do math. He didn't want to write 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 to 100. It's all he had to do. And he was so upset that he broke his pencil in half. And I was like, I have never done that. I have never modeled that. <laughs> like, how is that just naturally present in the heart of a child? But there is folly, right? There's foolishness bound up in all of us. We are all children of God. And I think of, here we're talking about anger. It says, be angry, but don't sin. So it is something in our flesh that we're naturally going to have present that I see the most in my parenting. Like the thing that, like, I would, I don't know that anger can be present with him. We're not perfect. There's conflict or intense moments of fellowship where we're coming to see each other's heart. (laughs) Um, But I think I'm the most vulnerable when it comes to parenting because I take it as Jesus came to display what the father was like. So he mimicked what he learned from his dad. And I take that literally when I see my kids and I'm like, is that how I say that? You know, you're like, because really I am. We should be the main person that they're learning their manners and their reaction and their kindness from. But I can't correct that unless I'm fully plugged into the Holy Spirit. Because I could start getting on behavioral management, you know, path, and that is going to lead me to failure, depression, giving up, throwing in the towel, more like marriage conflict, it just isn't going to go well at all. So on that note, how have you avoided traps with communication? I know like everybody's going to have conflict. So kind of switching over to like communication that can veer towards conflict. A great, Craig Grishel said this so well, that a healthy marriage fights for resolution. An unhealthy marriage fights for personal victory. And just the difference there, because victory, it can throw you off. So a healthy marriage fights for resolution, both people being heard and coming together and walking away feeling value, valued. An unhealthy marriage fights for victory for themselves. They just want to win the fight. One of you just want to be right. And there are moments that one of us is correct, but it, it isn't about <laughs> but it isn't about that. So how have you avoided marriage traps? Like yeah. communication traps that can lead to unhealthy conflict? I think for us, um, kind of what you were saying is is what what do I what do I want? What is going to make me feel like by the end of a conflict, we did this um, really God's way, but my heart, but my heart is satisfied here because as, as a female, I, I am craving that love and therefore I'm, I am heartbroken because of our loss of connection. Like, and, and early in our marriage, I was more that one who wanted to win. And it wasn't about the victory for me. It was about feeling validated or heard or understood or um, that my point was made. Um, and, and my solution was always words, always words, more and more and more words. Like, we are going to solve this problem and we're going to talk until it's done. And, and we learned very early that that's not how we were going to come to conclusions. Um, but um, I had to change what victory looked like for me. And because I would talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and we would come to some sort of conclusion or agreement and it might have even felt done but our our unity was not restored our 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 connection was still distanced and we would still go to bed feeling like what did we accomplish like what was that and so I think for me I had to realize that every disagreement we have 
The goal is reunification. The goal is connection. The goal is coming back to unity. And I'm willing to be wrong as long as we can come back to connection. Yeah, I had a great-grandpa. He was a farmer. He was a good old Baptist, but he used all those four-letter words because farmers use those four-letter words. And... (laughs) Uh, and I distinctly remember this time when I was a kid. I was probably, I don't know, 12, 10, something like that. And um, he says, Dorothy, I ain't saying nothing. And that's, uh, that is what my great-grandpa would do when, <laughs> when he felt like he uh, was going to be pigeonholed into a problem with his wife. <laughs> he said, Dorothy, I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> so so I, I remember, uh, I don't remember a distinct moment, but I remember a time where I started realizing an inner vow that I held on to in believing that the key to solving a problem with a woman was just to not say anything. Let them say it all. And just listen. And don't say nothing. And I'm really good at not saying nothing. <laughs> so, uh, but what, what, I, what I learned is that if I didn't engage her with words, um, even though I had so many words that went on up here because I'm an internal processor, she's an external processor, so she externally processes it all. And <laughs> I'm internally processing it all. And she's like, why aren't you answering me? I'm like, because every answer, conclusion that I've come to in my head doesn't work well. <laughs> doesn't end well. So I'm still trying to find a solution that's not going to end in, you know, defeat. <laughs> so, so that's, we did leave it in defeat many, many times. And, um, and that's why she didn't feel victory, um, because I'm like, I ain't saying nothing. Um, so, but what I've had to learn is... Men, it, it can be hard to be vulnerable with your words. Um, some men do not use a lot of words, especially when it comes to the intimate moments of hashing out your life together um, because they're, they're vulnerable places. Um, but even some words, even just some, will get you so further along that path of victory. And so I just encourage you, just start with some words. You don't have to, you know, be able to monologue it, but just start with some words. You know, I think of, um, I can't remember what word you used, Amy, but you used a word of like, I don't know if it was like feeling accomplished, but what 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 I imagined and it goes into, Josh, what you're talking about, about making sure you're communicating. The only way to get to the end of a conversation and feel fulfilled in that conversation is to focus more on understanding the other person than expressing what you're experiencing. We're so often, I mean, how many of us in here, how many of you have ever had a conversation where you're thinking about what you're going to say next, halfway through what the other person is saying, right? The rest of you are thinking about what you're going to say. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. You know, but it's like, we're so quick to go like, oh yeah, that's a good thought. Yeah. And if I said that, and like the other person's still trying to express and I've heard it before, but it's ringing more true in my life than ever before of hear what the person says and then repeat back to them what you hear. 
Instead of trying to solve a problem or come up with a solution, just repeat back like, oh, so what you're telling me is this is what's going on in your heart. And I think that can be, can be so crucial in making progress in this. And also, there is, there's a truth, Josh, you're right, of just saying words. But I think wives, if I can give an encouragement, or I shouldn't even say husbands and wives, like whoever, whichever one of you tends to externally process more, it could be either of you, whichever one it tends to externally process more, give space for the other person to process and then have something to say. Because sometimes it's so easy to just add on and add on and add on yeah. and add on and add on. Yeah, as an external processor, I would just go and go and go, and I'd leave a space, and he wouldn't say anything, so I assumed he needed more words. And so I would go and go, and I would go, and I would, and then I would say, well, what do you think about that? And he says, well, what's the question? And Oh, there was not a faster way <laughs> to dig a hole than that because I had said so many things. And, but the problem was is I, had, I was thinking. I was, I was expressing. I was feeling. All of it was outside. And then I wanted him to then what? Answer a question or tell me I was right? Or I, didn't, I was asking him to respond, but I'm not honestly sure what the right thing would have been for you to, to even respond with. Because I had filled in all my own gaps. And, and so I would say that's absolutely right. I have had to learn to, to, to be slow to speak. <laughs> I have had to learn to slow down and say what I mean and be okay that he's going to then process that differently and respond not like I would. I'm so glad I didn't marry me. Um, I married him, and I love that, but I wanted him to be like me, and that was wrong. It was just, it was never going to work. All right, I want to, I want to get to another, another area of conversation that was super high, and what you guys wanted to talk about was the idea of extended family, um, and when I, when I, when I saw that and saw some of the comments that were coming in, the first thing the first thing that I thought about is where um, in Exodus 12, 20, verse 12, and uh, Larry, what I'm going to do is ask you how this plays out for you guys um, in, in honoring, but also like in honoring your kids and your kids honoring you. Now that you're in the season of no kids in the house, yeah. praise the Lord, amen, we'll be there soon. Yeah. But uh, I want to hear your perspective of what it means from both sides, if that makes yeah. sense. But Exodus 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother, that you will live long, full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. So my question for you is this, is what does it look like to honor your parents when you're stepping into marriage and then having your honor for your kids and your kids honoring you as they're stepping into marriage. Okay. Yeah, we had uh, some difficulty when we first got married with um, my, actually my parents. And I was close friends with my dad because I had been in the real estate business with him for a long time. And um, anyway, we came to a point where my wife, they had offended my wife pretty bad. And um, we actually had to go over and talk to him, and I and it was really hard, and I had to I had to yell and scream. It was crazy, <laughs> and even swear and all that. And I but I was standing up for her. I didn't know how to express myself because yeah. there were so many emotions, right? Yeah. And for once, it seemed like for once in my life, I was really standing up for her. And it was amazing how, from that point forward, she knew that I was for her. And then coming with the honoring the, the parents, we didn't disown them or anything. We came around after things settled down, yeah. you know, and, and got things right with them too. And then we moved forward. So that was, that was a big, big thing. But she can look back on, on our marriage and say that was kind of a moment where she knew I kind of uncleaved from my folks. Wow. Yeah. And then what was the second part? Well, <laughs> it's harder. Actually, I want to I want to step into that a little yeah. bit more. Can we step into that? And yeah. uh, Jules, if you want to share from this, either one of you. But um, what I heard you say, yeah, is let me put it a different way. 
in order to honor your parents, you have to establish healthy boundaries with your parents. Yes. And that changes because when you're a kid under the roof of mom and pa, right, mom and dad, you honor them in a different way. So maybe let's go there. Like, what, what did that look like? Because it sounded like they crossed a boundary that you're like, no, we've got to establish this. So walk through that a little bit if you can, or, or Jules, if you can. Like, how do you establish those boundaries, and how do you uphold those boundaries, and how do you stay healthy in that so that you can honor? I guess, um, well, like, when, he, when that all happened, like he said, he went there yelling and screaming and cussing and swearing, you know. At that time in our life, like, we weren't handling yeah. things great because we didn't have any tools to do that. So he went... And, I mean, at that point, too, it was, I was destructive because of how they were treating me. Like, so, and it was coming, bouncing back to him because he wasn't standing up for me. So, they were hurting me, and then I was hurting him, you know. So, and he was feeling that, and we're, we're just trying to navigate through this because, like I said, I mean, we, neither one of us went to church when we were kids, and we didn't have parents that had showed us any kind of role models in that. So we were kind of like coming, reading books, doing everything we could to learn. Like we were just, I mean, if some of you guys know, we were so hungry. We were, we were like, we're here every time the doors were opening, Saturdays, Sundays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, you know, we were here just getting filled up. And, and if we weren't doing that, we were reading books and stuff. So, so we didn't, I mean, so as we grew and started, like, learning, then we were able to start setting boundaries. And now today, like, we are, we can communicate yep. hard things with each other about our parents. And now today, like, we come and we, we pray about it. We say, what does this look like? Do you feel comfortable with this? Do I feel comfortable with this? And we come in unity with that. And, like, yeah. you know, and he... Yeah. Now, he, I mean, he still stands up for me all the time. Yeah. His, his mom sometimes still says not such nice things, and he's just like, mother, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that, you know. So it's just like, and I've realized, too, just grow, growing up, like, you know, like she just doesn't know what she's saying and just loving her, and, you know, like yeah. you just have to choose love and yeah. instead, you know. So, yeah. Um. What I, what I kind of think about is um, some experiences that I've had in my family is like if they're in an unhealthy place, you can't expect health from them, yeah. right? Yep. There's, a, there's, a, there's a saying like you can't expect a non-Christian, or I should say this because Christian I think is, I'll say you can't expect a non-follower of Christ to live like Christ. And there comes moments, and I think when we enter in, like early in marriage, and in those moments, we're just figuring it out. How many of you in here would say that your parents were an amazing example? And there's going to be some, and like raise your hand, because this is an awesome, like, brand. but how many of you would say like your parents were an amazing example of what it means to have a Christian, Christ-like marriage? Come on, that's awesome. Like, this, this is incredible. I wasn't like that. My, my dad, praise the Lord, is starting to come around right now to, like, following Jesus. And in this year, in Jesus' name, it's going to be like, he's going to get it, you know. He's listened. Tim got him an audio Bible because he's never read a book all the way through. His dad, he's so incredible. Love this man. He's so intelligent. But uh, he has listened to the entire audio Bible. So we're just, and he's so excited. He'll call Tim every week with questions about the chapters that he's listened to. So it's precious to see that unfolding. Um, but what this did is it leaves an interesting, uh, an interesting dynamic inside of marriage because it's like we are building our life on, on the Lord firm foundation, which we talked about, and then walking that out when we're in such close relationship. And I, I go and I'm like, Larry, I'm, I'm proud and I give you honor for doing it, even though you didn't have that good example. And my encouragement for all of you is know what it means to step up to set a boundary. And it might be just simple as like, 
don't do it in the heat of the moment, but in, in moments say, hey, you want to know what? As my parents or as my brother or sister, whoever this is, uh, I, I, I love you for, for, for the fact that we're family, but how that happened just can't happen. And, and I'm going to protect her, or if it's a her, you know, I'm going to protect him, whatever that situation is, you know, and, and walk through that. But when it comes to honoring, don't mistake honor for like, I'm going to listen to everything you say, right? There's a, there's a moment where you say, you want to know what? We are following the Lord in our life, and you can give wisdom, and you can give input, and I'll heed that. But just because I don't do it doesn't mean I don't honor you as my mom and dad. Does that make sense? Like, you walk through that, and I think that's what you were trying to express, though it may have been with colorful language. <laughs> All right. We, we have, just like— add to that a second? Yeah, yeah go So quick. when you look at what the, the fruit of the Spirit, I think one way you can really honor— parents who are potentially not worthy of honor, okay, to even say that is just unbiblical because they're worthy because the Bible says to honor them and you will have long life and you will prosper. Um, But where you start to bring honor with with, uh, families and, and parents who you know, potentially are harder to honor um, uh, because of all sorts of residue, perhaps, um, is, is when you start walking in long-suffering and your love continues on, you're able to say those hard things to them and set the boundaries that are appropriate to protect your family, to, you know, Leave and cleave, but through long-suffering and love and patience and gentleness, you continue to uh, let that be the theme of your relationship yeah. with your parents. Yeah. And that's where you start to bring honor to, to people who perhaps make it a lot harder to honor them. Come on. Come um, on. Can I? Yeah, go. Can I? We got we got like one minute, real quick. Um, I want to say there's a lot of us in here that have been married for a while. Um, you may be in a situation where you have kids that are married, and even hearing this, you might be in a situation where you're like, I don't know if I've made it easy for my kids to honor us. And my encouragement to you is if there's, a, if there's a, a situation where you have to go to a kid, one of your adult children that are married, and say, I'm sorry for not making it where this is a safe relationship where you can honor, just go and say sorry. Even if you don't know how to walk that out. A lot of times just the word I'm, words I'm sorry can make a huge impact in starting to bring health. And just tell them, like, hey, let's walk on this journey of honor together. And figure out what it looks like. I'll be 30 seconds. Okay. So in that, I'm sorry. Uh, My parents were incredible parents all my childhood. They loved God. And they are first-generation Christians. So they were breaking the molds for our family legacies. And I just love them to pieces. But I didn't hear or see conflict in our home. Whenever there was something that ruffled a feather, it went silent. And it was awkward. So you would just have in your heart, like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Like, I'm uncomfortable. I'm a teenager. I can feel all the tenseness. And that moved into our marriage where I had no idea. That's why I would just leave relationships. Like, I'd just be like, it's uncomfortable. We cannot date any longer. You know, and I just didn't know what to do. And then God. Then I fully gave my heart over to the Lord. And I had so many things to be forgiven for in my past, that to, to choose to make Jesus the Lord of my life and realize the depth of forgiveness that he did towards me, I, me and my mom didn't see eye to eye very well, I would say well into my mid-20s. And it was much better 23 to 25 because I got saved at 23, really saved. I always loved God, but I mean, it was like the deal at 23. And as he got a hold of my heart, and I really understood what a relationship looked like through 
doing it with the Holy Spirit. And that my whole life is just that Jesus' name would be known and mine wouldn't. That he would be made greater, I would be made less. So I just need to reflect him. I don't need to win. I remember saying I'm sorry to my mom the first time in a car ride. And I had said, I don't remember the topic, but it was, Mom, I was out of line. I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have said that. And she started, she just broke. She started crying because I, I don't think she ever heard that play out in her childhood. And ever since then, it has grown to this unbelievable place of mutual openness. That I'm sorry, will you forgive me, changed my mom's and my relationship. So in the encouragement of like wherever anybody's at, there is so much to those words. And I think that's where the forgiveness, the package of forgiveness that Jesus went to the cross so that we may be forgiven for it all. And for the rest of our lives, we are to be messengers of reconciliation. Amen, right? Come on. That's good. I'm going to just kind of cap this with prayer. Uh, Father, we just thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, the only thing that we need right now is more and more and more and more of you. So I just ask you to fill us. In moments where we need love, give us love and joy and peace. Father, patience. We need your patience because ours has an end. So, Holy Spirit, we ask for patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, Lord, cap it all with self-control. Just as Rach said, Lord, we want not our names to be known, but for you to be known through us. We pray all this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Time went fast. Wow. Uh, so this is, this is what we got to do. Uh, uh, we have three books that we're going to be giving away, and this is what we did. We put three coins underneath three chairs in here. So reach underneath. It should be front middle of your chair. And there's a couple of tokens. If you have a token, come to the back afterwards and come, and we'll get you the book that is for that one because we want to pour into your marriage. There you go. Uh, everyone's like, ah, if there's an empty chair, search the empty chair. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Flip the chairs. There you go. Um, hey, you want to know what? More than anything, you guys are awesome. We are so excited to do this thing called Growing in Marriage together with you. If you have any questions, we'll be up here to answer any questions you might have. Uh, it, it's great to see what God is doing through Res Life and through this community. There are three ways that you can partner financially with what God is doing here. You could text in, you could go online, or there's giving boxes in the back and in the concourse. Uh, but we just believe in marriage so much. We want to passionately pursue Jesus and passionately pursue each other for all the days of our life. Amen. Amen. If there's anything you need, let us know. Again, June 17th. June 17th on Facebook. We'll get the information up there. But anyways, uh, if you have kids, go get them chillings. And then uh, we're going to be hanging out. So if you want to come back here, you can. But go get the kids. We'll see you.